Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love with the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I am Pam Marvin. And we are happy to be back, excited about our topic today. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about this one, Megan. I'll yeah. be honest with you. I, I think I, this is something we've talked about personally yeah, so many while, times, but yeah. we've never actually talked about it on the show. Why do you think that is? We haven't even brought it to the show yet. Um, I just for, didn't seem first, like right time for yeah, me. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, at first, when I first started hearing about it, and I would tell even my, my devout Catholic friends about it, they look, kind of looked at me like, that's a little bit out there, yeah, Pam. Well, a little weird. <laughs> so, of course, we're, we're talking about this as if we've already told you what we're talking about and we haven't. Yeah. So what we're going to be talking about today is something that goes by a couple different names. Um, the most popular, I would say, is the warning. Right. Uh, another term which kind of gives you a little more insight on what it is, is the illumination of conscience. And one more, right? I think there is the tribulation. The, no, 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 the tribulation is different. It is. Okay. Yeah. I so this is it too. No. Okay. So this, uh, this is something that is definitely not like you must believe this will happen. This is something that has been prophesied numerous times by various mystics, um, some saints, some not approved yet um, by the by the church officially, uh, but has a lot of support. Um, I would say the most popular version of it comes from uh, the Marian apparitions of Garabandal, Spain, which happened in the 60s. Uh, There were uh, several young girls. They were kind of in their late single digits, early teens, um, who had numerous visions of the Blessed Mother, also a vision of uh, St. Michael. And... There's this, lovely documentaries out there. If yeah, there's some really, really interesting documentaries. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What's one of them called? Garabandal. Garabandal. Yeah. God Only Knows. I think that's one okay. of them. Uh, there's another one that's called, I think, something about a waterfall. I don't remember mm. the rest of it. But, um, you know, definitely St. Faustina uh, talked alluded to, to uh, it. Around, alluded mm-hmm. to it. Um, St. Edmund Campion uh, alluded to it as well. He's way farther back. And there's been a number of other uh, saints and mystics over uh, time. But Centuries. W- what we wanted to do is to not talk about the details of it, the estimations of when it might happen, the predictions about why or whatever, but yeah. just to really talk about how we might prepare for it. Right. So again, we are under no obligation to believe this because it's not you know divine revelation or anything like that but the whole part of it for may and i is the message of preparing for it is very timely and efficacious even if it never happens amen right so before we get into how we prepare for it we did want to kind of describe a little bit more give you more detail about what it is and so what we chose to use as the description is actually uh, the words of one of the seers of Garabandal, who's, um, whose name is Jacinta. And so this is what she says about it. The warning is something that is first seen everywhere in the world and then is transmitted into the interior of our souls. It will last for a very little time, but seem a very long time because of its effects within us. It will be for the good of our souls in order to see ourselves our conscience, the good that we have failed to do and the bad that we have done. Then we will feel a great love toward our heavenly father and ask forgiveness for all of our offenses. 
The warning is for us to draw closer to him and to increase our faith. One should prepare for that day, but not await it with fear. God does not send things for the sake of fear, but rather with justice and love. He does it for the good of his children so that they might enjoy eternal happiness and not be lost. The warning will first be something external in the sky, like the collision of two comets. Then will come the interior illumination of conscience in which God will reveal to every person on earth the state of our soul as it stands before him. This will be an interior revelation of all the good we have done or failed to do and all the sins we have committed and the further consequences of those sins. This personal revelation of the state of our soul while we are alive is a great gift, a mercy, and an opportunity for conversion while there is still time. This illumination of conscience will draw the good closer to God and it will warn the wicked that the end of this time is coming, but this is not to be confused with the end of the world. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple different things I want to point out about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to like just really frame it a little bit too, that both Megan and I have been very drawn to this. We've had, again, repeating that we've had several conversations about it. It's really on our hearts to, to really delve into this deeper because we don't know if this will actually happen. We have very strong feelings and sentiments mm-hmm. that most likely um, God's is a, a form of God's justice and God's mercy all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. Right. But I do want to also say that because we, we've been very clear that like nobody has to believe this and, and the apparitions at Garabandal have not been officially approved by the church. They have also not been officially condemned by the church. It's kind of an open thing. And one of the reasons for that is the things that they have predicted have not come to pass yet, nor have they been expected to come to pass yet because there's some things that need to happen that they've pre-predicted before all this other stuff will happen. So you can't approve something that's predicting something in the future that hasn't happened yet. Right. So that being said, right. um, One of the reasons I have discerned that I feel, I am more drawn towards it being something that we should take seriously is the fact that Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio very much believed in it and thought that it was authentic. Um, And also uh, St. Paul VI was also Mm. rather favorable towards it as well. Faustina was my ace in the hole, like, Alcina spoke about it in her diary. I'm like, okay, I'm well, there. Well, I'm just talking about the Garabandal apparition oh, as far as okay, that yeah. goes. Uh-huh. But yeah, St. Faustina, you know, the warning thing has, uh, in and of itself, if you're taking it outside of the context of the apparitions of Garabandal, okay. has a lot of other things going for it. And and I love the idea of really looking at it as a supreme act of God's mercy. Because to know the truth does what? The truth will do what? Set you free. Set you free. Right. And so the reality is, is that the Lord wants for us to be able to journey into a time of great tribulation that the end times will be. He's promised that they will be very trying times. I mean, that's all through scripture that the end times will have lots of challenges for the faithful. We are not Christians who believe in a rapture that says all the good Christians are going to just be whisked up to heaven and avoid the suffering of the tribulation. That is not scriptural. And so 
it stands to reason that our Lord would want to give us the best possible chance of enduring hardships of the chastisements and tribulations that will come in the end times by helping us know the truth of ourselves. And one of the things she doesn't say in this, but has been said by other people, is that every individual will be given the knowledge that the teachings of the Catholic Church are true and that it is an opportunity to convert and to receive the grace of the sacraments that will still be in play. Wow. And so it's often talked about that after the warning that priests will need help because there will be lines and lines and lines of people requesting confession and baptism because they will have received the truth, accepted the truth and desired entrance into the church that the, that Christ established and that they will be overrun <laughs> with right. with people. So praise God for that. Hopefully that will happen. So if you're listening to this and you're Catholic or not Catholic, get your catechism, make sure you has, have it as a reference guide in your home. Yeah. So, so what we wanted to talk about wasn't all the details of what it might look like and when it might be. We certainly don't want to go into that question of like trying to predict when it could happen, but just as a thought experiment, Say we knew for sure we were given some absolute definitive grace from God word that we were completely convicted. It's going to happen this year. You've got, say, we'll say six months. You've got six months to prepare for this event where you're going to learn not only the truth of yourself in the eyes of God, but the whole world is also going to experience that as well. What do you mean by the whole world? I mean, does all individuals will? Yeah, all no, individuals. I, I don't want to have knowledge of your sin, too. No, 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 That would be the general judgment. Uh, Someday you will have woo. knowledge of my sins. I'm asking for your mercy on that day, my friend. <laughs> you will probably find out some stuff that you're like, girl, really? But anyway, uh, no, you'll all, you won't know everybody else's sins, but everyone will know their own sins, right. regardless of faith. You know, it, it doesn't matter, Buddhist, Hindu, Christian, whatever. You're going to know. You're going to know. So um, that question of how, how to prepare. prepare. Okay. Well, let me just kind of roll it back a little bit about when I first heard about this has been like three years ago. I mean, three or four years ago. It's okay. been a while. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was really stirred in my heart to, to just try and prepare for this. And part of that is looking at yourself very honestly mm. in the form of in the personal sin, because sure. when I when I heard that it was predicted that many people would die just for knowledge of their own sin, yeah. I thought, well, that could be me. And I, I need to start really um, going to confession more frequently. That's definitely one thing that we can do. And looking at myself more honestly. And, and you know what, Megan, when I started to ask the, the Blessed Mother and the Lord, to, you know, please show me my shortcomings, show me my sin. Mm-hmm. Um, they really have been coming through gentle, but <laughs> persistent <laughs> over the last year. Ask and ye shall yes, receive. <laughs> so true. And, and so then I was able to, and continue to be, cause they just give me a little at a time because I can't handle it all at once. Obviously mm-hmm, like sure. the warning might be right. So I start to work on one thing at a time in my personal life and my personal interior life of um it's part of our fallen nature you know it i'm gonna just full disclosure so um i was listening to um a podcast and it was under our lady of sorrows i sent it to you okay 
And it said, I challenge you to ask the Blessed Mother to reveal to you your primary sin. And so, of course, I was like, oh, I'm all over that. Blessed Mother, you bet. So, Blessed Mother, what is my primary sin? And flashing in my mind's eye, I mean, I could like audibly hear it in my mind and I could see it in my mind. Are you ready? I'm going to full confession. It <laughs> was, was self-pity. Okay. Like I had an issue with self-pity. Uh-huh. I kind of knew I did, but I didn't think of it as being that big of a deal. Right. Because, you know, because when life's hard, life's hard, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But it really convicted me to start looking at that. And I started when things kind of don't go well or right, I now say to myself, why not me? Why yeah. not me? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So this is just one small example. Right. Yeah. Is, is like really asking the Lord, blessed mother, reveal to me my greatest sins, mm-hmm. especially those that I'm not aware of. Yeah, I think that is absolutely the number one thing that that would be a personal preparation. Right. Because you don't want to be overly shocked by what you see, right? Like the reality is, is that this idea that the Lord is trying to hide stuff from us, that he wouldn't want to reveal stuff if we're want to know. Yeah. I think so in a way we can, I, when I first found out about it, the first thing I did um, was I decided uh, to make a general confession. So even though, Uh, For people who aren't familiar what a general confession is, it's like even though you've gone through, you know, each confession and said your sins since the last confession and you've been absolved, every now and then it's fruitful to decide you're going to do basically a life confession. You're going to go back through your whole life, take a look at patterns and things that come to mind and, and everything. And even if you've already confessed them, but just to kind of reassert the realities of your sinfulness in the past. And, and again, it gives an opportunity for greater revelation of things that you might not have been aware of. And that even though it doesn't mean that you weren't forgiven for the sins in the past, like that's not what it's about. It's really about going deeper and, and understanding more deeply some, maybe what some of those consequences have been as you've gotten older and you've had more insight. So then for, say for example, in the past, you know, you stole something and you confessed, uh, you know, I'm sorry for stealing that. But maybe as you go later in life, you look back on that and you say, you know, when I stole that, say you stole it from your friend, not only did I deprive the friend of a material good, I ruptured the relationship. I caused hurt to that person as far as their understanding of my love for them and my respect for them. And so now I want to confess that I damaged that person's, you know, spirit by doing what I did. So sometimes when you do a life confession or a general confession, the circumstances of your sinfulness, you can go deeper in your maturity. And as you've given the Lord more opportunity right, right. to reveal to you, which is really what the warning is all about. Yeah. I have a, you know, a little more take on that too. I think that's beautiful. I'm glad you mentioned that because I hadn't thought of it that way, but when I've done a general confession, um, while I know that God has fully forgiven me, it's lingered and it's nagged at me even after it's been confessed, mm-hmm. which is, is not good. Right. But in, if that is the case and I've gone, I've, I've confessed it one more time. My sin really is unforgiveness of myself. Right. So yeah, there's that part absolutely. of it. And maybe lack of trust in God's absolution. 
perhaps, you know, so yeah, yeah, just walking around with more guilt. So like I only left half the guilt in the right. confessional the first uh, time. I left sure. the rest of it the second <laughs> <Right>. time. <Yeah. laughs> so I think that is a great way to, to prepare. But then, like you said, then going forward to really deeply desire within yourself, true repentance for your sinfulness and also mm-hmm. a desire to know more and more fully as you go about life, right? What you, what sins really are, to become more and more sensitive to sin in our lives, and to ask for the grace of that, because that's a grace, right? Mm-hmm. So you're almost saying, Lord, I recognize what the warning's going to be. I don't want to wait for it. Like I want to start the process of understanding my own sinfulness more deeply now. Will you right. give me the grace in advance of the the warning? Right. And so one of the things that, and you can kind of fill in some blanks because it's been a while since I've read a lot of this, um, was more frequent confession mm-hmm. because you're closer to that state of grace sure. after confession. So that's definitely another thing that we can do. And that might be a great Lenten thing to do. So this will probably air right around the time Lent starts. Mm-hmm. So maybe... Yeah, more frequent confession. If you go once a month, maybe go every two weeks. If sure. you go every yeah. three months, go every eight weeks, you know, something right. like that. Yeah. So, you know, confession and a knowledge of one's sins, I think is, is a really, really good place to, for the personal interior preparation. I also think that another way to prepare for the warning is a little bit more about attending to others. So the reality is, I have always been very struck by the concept to whom much is given, much is required. Okay. When you say others, are you talking about immediate family first? Anyone the Lord brings in your path. So anyone in your path. Okay. Yeah. But so like I'm saying to whom much is given, much is required. And to me to have a sense of faith that the warning will happen, uh, like feeling that that is a true thing and that will happen in your lifetime. That it'll happen in my lifetime right. is, is kind of like, that's a gift, I would say, if in, in, in fact that is what happened. So we're, we're focusing on the presupposition that it happened like it would happen like in six months. So going with that, um, that would be a great grace to know that and to believe that. And so that brings with it a responsibility to try to prepare myself to bless others as they would experience this. And so the way that looks in my mind is the more people can understand me as a person who is faithful and trusting in the Lord and in times of adversity doesn't lose my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I want to swear right there. <laughs> you can fill in the word, you know, you're like, if you're a person who can ma- maintain a sense of peace and self-possession and trust in the Lord during the difficult things that happen even now, when that time comes, not only have you practiced that within yourself so that you are more likely to be able to maintain a certain level of peace despite this what you've had revealed to you, which will still probably be news to you, a lot of stuff, even if you've really sought the Lord people will remember that you are a person of profound faith and have demonstrated through life prior to that moment 
that you can maintain calm and peace and faithfulness in chaos, they will come to you and say, what should I do? Mm. And then you have an opportunity to say, repent, be baptized. The Lord is waiting for you. And that is such a great opportunity, but we won't be able to be that person if we haven't shown the faithfulness before that moment and main and managed our own stuff as far as seeking him before that so that we're not totally caught up with our own, like, freaking out over what we've had revealed to us. I found myself kind of falling into a little bit of false humility on this one. (laughs) Maybe it's false humility is like, oh, well, I'm not that holy, so I will not be a good choice to help people. Well, how holy do you have to be to say, I don't know. be baptized and receive Jesus I Christ? I don't know. You, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, no, that'll be for other people who are, are better and holier than I am. Okay, well, I would ask you this question to challenge you. What percentage of Catholics do you think actually have any understanding that this could happen in their lifetime and I've prepared for it at all. That is a really good question. Do you think it's 50%? No. Do you think it's 25%? Maybe. I doubt it. 17%? I'd I'd say if it's more than 12, if it's more than 10%, I'd be shocked. Really? And Mm -hmm. so what I'm saying to you is this isn't about personal holiness as much as it is personal responsibility for the grace of knowledge that the Lord has given you. Oh, that's a good point. So just absolutely being aware of it, therefore qualifies me for um, the task. And I mean, one of the things I- I I don't know if it qualifies you, but it equips you. One of the things (laughs) I read about it too is that um, we'll be called to baptize people. Like there may be a, a, since there'll be so many conversions that perhaps- there will be a lot of lay people baptizing lay people mm-hmm. because it will be so many. Yeah. So this is cool. Caleb just handed me a, a report um, from an information gathering organization that um, works on gathering information about faith. It says 26% of adult Catholics say they participate in the sacrament of Re- reconciliation once a year or more often. Only 2% of Catholics do so once a month or more often. say they go to confession less than once a year and 45% say they never do. So, okay. So only 26% even do the basic minimum that the church requires as far as confession. So how prepared do you think Catholics are going to be for this moment? You are in a, you're in a bubble. You're in a unique (laughs) situation, right? right? Thank you, Caleb. So, That reality, there's a responsibility that comes with understanding that we need to constantly be coming more and more aware of the truth of our our sin and receiving the grace of God's mercy. I tell you what, the the confession lines though here in our town are long and they've even increased it at my parish. They added another day and they're still long. So... I don't know. God bless College Station, Bryan College Station. It it is. You know, when I lived here, it was always, this is the Catholic bubble. And people are like, what are you talking about? I was like, there's just a different spirit here. So, I I mean, what are the confession lines like where you live? Depends on what parish you're at. Yeah. And and also, like, the reality is, is 
there's a strange phenomenon. I find the less confession times the parish offers, the less there are in the lines because it is the parish that sets the tone about the importance of it. And when the priest says, I'm willing to sit there for hours, whether anybody comes or not, because I believe it's that important, that speaks to the people. And that's part of the preparation that priests should be doing for their people saying, I don't want you to think that this is something that only is going to should happen after you've had all this stuff revealed to you. This is something that should be happening regularly in your life as a Catholic. And how often are we hearing that from the pulpit on a regular basis? Okay. So, you know, and, and it's okay. Maybe if, if Caleb wants to chime in at some point on this one too, but um, what say you to that priest who says, Quit coming so often with all your venial sins. We've had that happen here locally before. Quit coming so often with all your venial sins. That hurts me. That just hurts me to even hear that. Yeah. But does it make me pause? Yeah, it makes me pause. Well, you know, I think the reality is, is we're called to respond to God's movements in our hearts. And if he's saying to our heart, go to confession because... The reality is this. Okay, say for example in a marriage, if you cheat on your spouse, obviously you should apologize and ask for forgiveness and what can I do to make it up for you, right? But should you not also feel bad for the harsh word that hurts your spouse's heart? Just because it's so much less, it's so minor in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean that we don't say, you know, honey, I'm sorry. I really should have, shouldn't have been short with you. You know, like that wasn't right. Like, so if we're looking at confession, not so much as I've made a mortal sin. So now I need to get confession so I won't go to hell. No, confession is about the term reconciliation it's about maintaining your relationship with the Lord. And I don't know about you, Pam, but for me, I don't want to do one thing that hurts the heart of my Savior. And if I have, I want to run to his representative on earth and say to him, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry for hurting your heart. I'm sorry for not living by your commandments. I'm sorry for the ways that I hurt another person's heart that made you less visible to them. And if that's wrong, well, let me be wrong (laughs) and let me find another priest who's okay with it. Right. Did you want to chime in there? I I was just going to say, on one hand, you have to take, what the priests say in confession seriously. On the other hand, you also have to take your own conscience seriously. And if the priest doesn't take seriously um, something that pricks at your conscience, then like Megan said, I would go find another priest. priest. Okay. Yeah. Well, and here's another, I don't think, I don't think it's, you should priest shop in terms of confessors yeah. for the most part. Right. But in a situation like that, I think I would just probably go somewhere else next time. Yeah. Okay. And I will just say this. It I really in, injured me. It really injured me. Yeah, I can imagine. And it, it made me slow down because yeah. I was going every other week. And then I I, I went to, uh, mm-hmm. I started going once a month after that Well, mm-hmm. because we were run off, basically. Your last episode um, was about confusion. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and I think it can be a little confusing too. You know, I've, I've gotten some confusing advice sure. before. Yeah. And I was like, it sounds like you're saying to 
create a regimen of sin (laughs) (laughs) in order to decrease it, which, okay, maybe, but also I just, I don't want to do that thing anymore, period. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Well, mm -hmm. and the reality is this, like, to my knowledge, I have not committed a mortal sin in quite some time, you know, since my conversion, as far as I know. Should I then not bother going to confession? Are my, are my venial sins not worthy of confession? Because, well, why is the church telling me to go to, church, to confession once a, a year if I haven't committed a mortal sin? So the reality is the church herself says that venial sins are worthy of confessing. And so the sense of how often you need to confess them, well, okay, there's one thing when it's a place of scrupulosity, if you're confessing things that over and over again that you've already confessed, that's a different issue altogether. But if it's for some, seeing sin where there is no sin, yeah, if it's something new, it definitely is a venial sin. It's worthy of confession. Yeah. And if that uh, Lord has moved your heart to, to go there, then go there. But I will say this, it is said that St. John Paul, the second, him who is called the great Pope, St. John Paul II, went to confession weekly. Yes. I am not holier than him. No. And so what I found with more frequent confession too is like your memory of the smaller offenses of God are fresher on your mind. So you can be like more thorough in your confessions the way that you've injured the Lord. Yeah. And also because you wait, you wait four weeks and maybe you only remember half a dozen And the reality is also this, the more and more you fall in love with him, the more falling short and damaging your relationship with him hurts Mm -hmm. and the sensitivity to the sin becomes greater and therefore the burden of it becomes greater. Mm -hmm. And the priest is there to help us let go of that burden. He's there to be Jesus Christ who says, come to me, you who are heavy laden. Okay, Megan, so we've talked about ways to prepare for the morning. The one we're just rounding up there was confession. The previous one is being very prepared to live and walk in knowledge of it now to be Mm -hmm. a living, willing example. Is there another one on your list? Well, I would say to really practice attending to the voice of the Lord mm-hmm. and trying to filter out voices of confusion. Because one of the things about the warning that people will say that, that is said is that it, people will try to explain it away. They'll try to use it. As, oh, it was a solar flare or it was aliens or it was mass hysteria or something like that. And if you aren't, well-versed at distilling truth from lies, you will be more susceptible Mm -hmm. to falling prey to that. And so it's, we're in a really good practice time for that. Okay. So so I guess, you know what, now that you're saying that my number three, or we'll call it number four now would be to communicate it well to your friends and family. Yeah. And you know and what? Honestly, for me, that, that's the hardest one. One of the things that we I don't think we did mention is about the sign in the sky. 
Did we yeah, mention I, that? I said that there's an exterior sign, but we didn't talk about it more specifically because in the thing I read, it said I don't it'd be like a great f- light where, you know. I just don't want people to be frightened when they see it. That's why right, I, I want to yeah. tell them. It's like it would be a cross and it would be the risen cross, a risen Christ on the cross with, with the illumination of the light through his hands. Right. And I think that and people will say that's a holograph. Yeah, see, that's another point. Yeah. As yeah, I said, yeah, that's, yeah. that the exterior sign is one of the ways that I think will be used to talk about trying to use this deception. And personally, if I'm just going to be perfectly honest with my own view on it, there's been a lot of talk of aliens recently. Just a lot of that stuff and people saying that they're real and everything. And I, my personal view is, that's the deception that they're going to go for. They're going to say it was an alien thing. Um, and so, you know, that's just what kind of the Lord's kind of put on my heart about it. Uh, so, you know, to really be wary about stuff like that, because, you know, the reality is, is that the enemy is the ultimate groomer. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, he, just as the Lord is trying to draw us to him and always calling us and, and giving us opportunities to know him better and, you know, find the truth. The enemy is always sowing seeds to try to disrupt that. And so I see a lot of seeds being sown in the way that the world is functioning and how people are responding to fear mongering about various things and uh, that I really see how it could be the enemy preparing his plan to combat this great act of grace and mercy that the Lord wants to give us. Yeah. We need to look to rest in the Lord. Yeah. Definitely during this time. So the warning, my brothers and sisters, be prepared in your heart, in your soul, most of all, uh, communicate with your loved ones to the best of your abilities. Go watch the movie about Garabandal but you can read discern more about for it. yourself. Discern for yourself, right? But here's the thing I would say, and to echo what um, Jacinta said in that: don't fear it. Like the Lord is giving it to us as a grace, and yes, it may be hard. It may be difficult to endure if we're called to endure it. If we're a, we're the generation that's called to endure it, but if we truly believe and trust that the Lord wants our good, that He is working for love of us, for desire for as many souls to be with him in eternity as possible. This is something that instead of fearing, we should place all our trust and hope in the Lord, prepare to the degree that we can prepare, and then just let the Lord do his thing. Right. Isn't that faith? It's faith. It's faith. Have some faith. All right. So thank you for joining us. I hope this blessed you. And um, I would just say that, uh, you know, even if the warning never is seen by anybody that we would ever have talked to, you're never, ever going to go wrong with doing these things That's to prepare right. for Amen it. To that. So, so right. don't dismiss it as not, not worthy if you think it's all bunk. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we pray that, it, uh, that this discussion has blessed you. It certainly blessed us. And we hope that you will, until next time, you'll remain united with us in prayer. God bless. God bless. God bless.